want to say a word of prayer and we'll begin this next song. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together today. I pray you'll do works in our hearts that cannot be explained apart from you. Thank you, Lord, that you've got a plan for this world. And even when life seems out of control, you're in control. In Jesus' name, amen. song of the redeemed rising from the African plain it's the song of the forgiven drowning out the Amazon rain the song of Asian believers filled with God's holy fire it's every tribe, every tongue, every nation, a love song born of a grateful choir. It's all God's children singing glory, glory, hallelujah, he reigns, he reigns. It's all God's children singing glory, glory. above the four winds caught up in the heavenly sound let praises echo from the towers of cathedrals to the faithful gathered on the ground of all the songs sung from the dawn of creation some were meant to persist of all the bells rung Thank you. The Tara over here doing our side A. I'll give her thanks. It's my favorite part of this whole song. And all the powers of darkness tremble at what they've just heard. Cause all the powers of darkness can't drown out a single word. When all God's children sing glory, glory, hallelujah, he reigns, he reigns, it's all God's children sing. Children singing glory. 
rain. Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning. Uh, my name is Marissa. Welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church. We are so glad that you're here with us this morning. Um, if you are a first-time guest, we want you to make you especially feel welcome. Those of you who know our motto, help me out. You are, no matter your story, you're welcome, wanted, and you're loved. Um, be sure to pick up one of the brochures. Inside you'll find a lot about who we are and what we stand for. Especially check out that center section with our core values. And as always, you can go to the website, recreatechurch.org. You probably noticed we don't pass the collection plate. If you believe in what we are doing and you would like to give or make a contribution, you can give through the Tithely app or you can drop it off at the tall wooden boxes located by the exit and the hospitality area. This is also where you can drop connection cards, prayer requests, and anything else you want to get at us. If you miss it Sunday or want to share a message with a friend, the Recreate Church podcast is available just about anywhere you can stream audio. Um, this week we have three softball games coming up, Monday at 7.30, Tuesday at 7.30, and Saturday at 12 noon. Um, all of the games are going to be at the rec department fields behind McDonald's, so come on out and support the softball team. Um, as pa Pastor Michael said earlier, um, one of the most important things we can do as a church is help kids know that God loves them. Um, so we need folks to step up and volunteer for the children's ministry. If you want to help, pick up an application at the children's ministry check-in or the guest services desk, or you can go to the website. Today, Pastor Michael is continuing the series on the end times. Before I turn it over to him, I want to pray for us. Lord, thank you for the renewal that you bring out of tribulation. I pray you speak to all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Marissa. Good morning, you all. Welcome. Glad to see you. Some of you here for the first time. That's always exciting. This week, um, very thankful to be a part of this, this whole thing here. Um, it's, I, I hope... Uh, Hope you're getting a lot out of the end times messages. If you missed any of those, you can go back and pick them up. There, you can go to our website, recreatechurch.org, and, and go to the services tab, and you can find all of those on podcasts and every, everywhere you find a podcast, you can get one. They're on YouTube as well. Thank you, Marissa, for mentioning the kids ministry once again. I, I can't emphasize that enough that we want to have a strong kids ministry. So we need some folks to volunteer for that. That's a big, big deal. We have some awesome, amazing little ones back there. They're so doggone cute. It's like pre-pandemic, all of our kids were like getting older. And then like we have all these pandemic babies being born and it's all these new babies. And what an exciting thing. You know, I, I want to be a part of a church where there's lots of kids, right? You'd like that too? Yes. Well, to make, you know, for that to be a reality, we need something for the kids and for the, for the parents. And um, for those of you who don't know, we run a kids ministry that happens at the same time as this worship service. That way the parents can, can be uh, in here and enjoy the service. It's, you know, I got the three and it's a little hard to keep up with them through it all. Well, here we are, third week back, third week back inside. Excited to have all of us here today and excited to talk to you a little bit more uh, about the story that God is going to bring to a conclusion. The story of this world as we know it. All this end time stuff is interesting, but if it's only interesting information, 
then it's not worth that much. However, if it changes the way we live, if it gives us a new perspective on eternity, then it's really valuable. Because man, you've known some people, haven't you, who could quote the Bible and knew a lot of Bible facts, but it didn't seem to trickle its way down to the way they acted. We don't want to be, be people like that. We want to be people whose experience with the Word of God informs the way we live every single day. Well, we're back again, wrapping up the story of the tribulation period, that seven-year period of all these plagues and wonders. And when most people hear the phrase, the end times, that's what they think of, right? Those wild end of the world events. All right. So we've gotten a bit into that. And, and uh, we're going to talk about one more purpose for the tribulation period. Okay. Before you begin something new, you might have to wipe away what's old. You ever written on a marker board? We've got some of those at my work. Before I write something on my marker board, I have to wash off the old, or I should. <laughs> I don't always. I should. If you're going to cook something at your house, you have to wash the pan first, right? Tell me you wash your pans. At my house, I'm the, yeah, okay, but cast iron, you still, you do clean them. Okay, you got me there. Um, okay, um, I'm the dishwasher in our house. And uh, I make sure the pans get clean because I, I don't want my eggs to have any extra seasoning in them. I just want one in. You know, you've you got to clean it out before you do something new. If you build a house, and especially if you live in the mountains here, what's the first thing you have to do once you've got all the permits in place and everything? You've got to clear the site, and you've got to level it out. If you plant a garden, you've got to till it under first, Right? And if you want to build a beautiful lake, it does mean you're probably going to have to flood a valley. So the beginning of one thing might require the end of something else. And that, uh, that all sounds so poetic and beautiful. Every end is a new beginning. Put that on a coffee cup, right? Every end is a new beginning. Every end of every coffee cup is the beginning of me pouring some more coffee. Any other coffee drinkers in the house today? Yes, I'm very thankful for America's favorite psychotropic substance, coffee. <laughs> That's a real word, look that up. It's <laughs> Anyway, every end is a new beginning. Sounds really nice on the coffee cup. We can put that right up there with the coffee cup that says, every time God closes the door, he opens a window. It sounds nice, but it's not very comforting if the door gets closed on your fingers, right? All of these cliches are not very comforting when whatever is coming to an end is something that was important to you. And when it's pain associated with the end, when it's the, the end of a job or the end of a friendship or the end of a relationship or the end of some part of your life that made sense. And now it doesn't make sense anymore. It's one thing to say, oh, every end is a new beginning. It's another thing to live through the end and come out on the other side. These, those old phrases wear thin after a while. It's not so comforting, and it's hard to see through the pain of one thing coming to an end or the pain of struggle until what's coming next. Seasons of struggle and suffering very well may bulldoze our lives to the ground, but the consolation is when life burns it down, 
God can build it back better. Amen. I know some things about that in my life. Not all y'all know my story. Some of you know it, and some of you walked it with me. You know, eight years ago, my wife collapsed in the floor with internal bleeding. Have you ever watched a loved one of yours disappear over the horizon in a helicopter? It's a surreal feeling. I didn't know whether she was going to come back. I had no idea. No one would tell me whether she was going to live or die. Let me just say, she's not feeling too good this morning, but she is very much alive, so I praise God for that. Katie was with us here last week. She actually gave our welcome, which is a big, big deal. First of all, that she's well enough to do it, and second of all, that she was brave enough to do it. She is not an in-front-of-crowds kind of gal. She is a behind-the-scenes kind of gal. Five years ago, about this time five years ago, I was ready to quit ministry altogether. I was ready to be done. Now, some of us didn't know each other at that point, and I might not have gotten to know you except for what God did next. You see, five years ago, I was just, if God had given me a way of escape, if he'd opened, if God had opened a window, I would have jumped out it. Facts. Not to like to my death, but to escape. <laughs> okay, don't, don't worry. Don't, don't freak out. I don't mean to scare you like that. If God closed the door and opened a window, I was climbing out the window. All right. When it came to ministry, I was just ready to give up. And then over the next six months, it all burned down. <laughs> it just all burned down around me. And uh, out of the ashes, though, God raised something new. And you guys are a part of it right now. If God hadn't burned that down or allowed it to burn down and brought it back from the ashes, you wouldn't be sitting in the most comfortable church chairs in Hillsville, Virginia. You're welcome. You're welcome. If you want to go sit on a hard pew, we'll, you have to bring your own. All right. So the purple ones are the most comfortable, and they're front and center to encourage you to be close. The blue ones are comfortable until you sit in the purple ones, and then you realize those are the ones those are the ones. God bless you, Tara, for having to sign all the crazy things that I say. You're a good person. Thank you. <laughs> Look, here's what I want to say to you. God brings renewal out of tribulation. That is the m main idea that it's all going to center around today. God is the God who causes tender green grass to shoot up out of the field that was burned over by wildfire. That's the God we serve. I want you to see that today as we talk about the tribulation period, that it's not just a big, scary time where things go bad and it's painful and, and all of that. It's not just God is angry and he's going to straighten out this mess. No, he's bringing something new in. The world as we know it will be shaken to its foundations. Literally, we'll see that by the end. But he is bringing something new in. And we're going to see Jesus show up at the end of this message he is going to ride in as the king, and he's going to bring in some of this renewal, the greatest renewal the world has ever seen. And we're going to continue on that with the, the messages upcoming as well and, and really kind of end this thing in style. We'll probably have like three, two or three more of these messages, two or three more, so I think that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 16 today if you want to be finding that. Revelation is the story of the end as told by the apostle John. John was one of the original 12 disciples. He is arguably the man who was closest to Jesus while he was on earth. He was the only one of the 12 who was present at the crucifixion. All of them ran away at first, but John did come back and he was there for the crucifixion. So John at this point is a very old man, probably in his 90s, and the Lord gives him a vision of what is to come. We see in the book of Revelation 
There are three sets of seven primary prophetic events, 21 judgments, 21 events. And we got through the first 14 last week. There were the seven seals and the seven trumpets. This week we're going to get to the seven bowls. And they are the worst of all. And they must happen very close to the end. You know, we're talking about the last year, maybe the last few months of the tribulation period, because these are so bad that no one could make it if it lasted much longer after that. So, (laughs) fair warning, I'm one of those guys who really believes the Bible. Guilty. I think this is, these things are real events. Some of them are spoken of in symbolic language. However, the events will be literal. One more thing. This end time stuff is some scary stuff. There's reasons they make movies out of things like this. It's scary stuff. It's intimidating stuff. But it is not my purpose today to make you feel afraid. I want to show you you don't have to feel afraid. Because Jesus made a way of escape. You don't have to experience any of this if you trust Jesus because uh, we won't have to be here for it. However, you're going to show up at the end of this. If you're a child of God, you're in this message. You're going to show up at the end. You just wait and see. It's going to be good stuff. So I'm going to read Revelation 16.1. It's up here on the screen. Thank you so much, Casey. And then I'm going to pray for us. It goes like this. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. Heavenly Father, Will you please speak to us now? These are heavy subjects, but I pray you'll find the joy in it and show us in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this vision, John sees seven angels, and they have seven bowls. The King James Bible that I grew up with calls them vials, but I don't want you to imagine like a test tube. That's what I think when I hear vial. Uh, The Greek word really refers to a drinking bowl, I don't know what they were thinking, but in the ancient world, they used bowls to drink out of. Not like you would drink your cereal milk, all right? Just like a flat like a flat saucer with the edges curved up, and they would drink out of that. And these seven angels are going to pour these bowls out on the earth, which will be symbolic. There won't be probably a literal angel with a bowl dumping something on the earth, but it will be pouring out these plagues. Now, if you do not understand how much of a problem someone pouring out a bowl could cause you have not had children in your house carrying a bowl of something because they can do it themselves. The mamas know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, you can do it yourself, honey. You can make a giant mess yourself. All right. So if you have ever studied the ten plagues that came on Egypt back in the book of Exodus, you're going to see a lot of parallels here. You're going to see a lot of the similar things. It's kind of foreshadowing. The first of the plagues. This is a nasty one. Oh, did I put that in there? Keep going. Nope, none of that. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. There we are. Thank you. I had all the songs right this week, but I didn't get that part. Okay, so you're an amazing human being. Patrick Deidre, you've raised some amazing children. I just want you to know that right now. The first of the bowls is these terrible sores. The angel, first angel pours the bowl out on the land. And you'll notice each bowl gets poured somewhere else. This one's poured out on the, 
on the land, and these extreme skin ulcerations break out on people. Most translations call them sores or boils. You know, in our day, a skin ulcer is a terrible, awful, painful, horrible problem, and I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But back when this was written, it uh, something like that, they didn't have good treatment for it, and it could make you very, very sick or even kill you. And uh, the picture here is uh, just of people being covered with awful, oozy, awful. I'm running out of adjectives here that I feel like I should say in a polite company. They're going to be nasty from head to foot. And there's no indication that these will really heal up for the rest of the tribulation period. So pretty much everybody will be covered in these things until the end. Super, super gross, awful, painful, nasty. This was something that happened in the plague against Egypt. There was a plague of boils in there. Pretty nasty stuff. John tells us specifically that this is targeted against those who've taken the mark of the beast. That's what he says in Revelation 16. And uh, the mark of the beast is one of those things that gets talked about a lot and a lot of uh, creativity is attached to that, okay? You hear about the mark of the beast and and, uh, I remember like growing up, some boy would think he was hot stuff because he scratched 666 on stuff. Come on. If you really knew what was up with that, you wouldn't be marking that on anything. It's just, you don't need to do that. There's a lot of speculation attached to that about what it'll be and all that, but ultimately it is going to be something that identifies a person as having allegiance to the Antichrist rather than the real Christ. So whatever form it takes doesn't matter so much as it will be a mark that you have uh, aligned yourself with the Antichrist instead of the true Christ. Um, so everyone who bears that mark will be afflicted by these sores. The second bowl, the oceans become blood. The second angel pours his bowl out on the sea, and it all becomes blood. That's terrible. In a previous judgment, one-third of the seas turned to blood. This time, it's, it's all the salt water. Man, this is, this is nasty stuff. Some people say, is it going to be real blood? Or is it going to be something else? Well, I'm just going to say that God who made the sea would not have any trouble turning it into anything else he wanted to turn it into. I would not go for blood. I'd go for Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper. Sea full of Dr. Pepper. I don't think the fish would like that, but I would like that. But no one's asking me. Uh, if it was, keep its carbonation. Anyway, it will be just an awful, awful thing. Um, Some people have suggested maybe it could be something like a red tide, like one of those big algal blooms. I don't know. Possibly the end event is going to be the same. The results will be the same, that all the life in the sea will die. Terrible. And it will be horrifically, uh, the horrific stench. It'll be a health disaster and mess up the hydrological cycle because, you know, the oceans, a lot of the rain evaporates out of the oceans, goes into the clouds. It's going to be a mess. Like I said, people aren't going to make it too much longer after this. We know this is sort of, on the final lap here, it's coming towards the end. The third bowl, the rivers and springs become blood. Just goes from bad to worse here. The third angel pours blood, uh, the bowl out on the freshwater sources, and they turn to blood. Uh, one-third were poisoned in a previous judgment. Now they'll all be. This is reminiscent, an echo of the judgment against Egypt. Remember in the book of Exodus where the Nile River turned to blood? And the only way they could find fresh water was by digging around. And, and maybe that's what people will resort to at this time, digging around, trying to find some water. 
it will be a nasty, nasty time. It doesn't actually say that everything in those waters die, but I think we can count on that being the case as well. The third angel gives the pronouncement that since the evil world has spilt the blood of the faithful, they're given blood to drink as their reward. It's going to be a bad time. I mean, I don't want to be here for this, do you? I like the oceans, rivers, lakes, and streams. They're the place I live my dreams. I love it. It's good stuff. I don't want to be here for this. The fourth bowl, the sun becomes scorching. The fourth angel pours out the bowl on the sun, and it, it supernaturally burns people. I know this isn't really funny, but um, anybody else remember the level in the old Mario Brothers game where the sun would come down on the sky and try to kill you? I see some smiles. Okay. Yeah. Some of you are like, what are you doing, Pastor Michael? You had to be there. It was the 80s, y'all. It was crazy times. The sun would kill you. I don't know. It's, it was a long time ago. The 80s and the 90s were a long time ago. I was there. I was there. Um, but yeah, the sun would come down on the sky and try to kill you. I don't know exactly what it will look like, but the sun will scorch people and damage people, and it will be a very terrible time. And it might be something, I'm a science guy, I love science, and if it's something like a solar flare, like a massive solar flare, or a, a uh, solar coronal mass ejection, that's a big fancy name for the, the sun is spewing things out, you know. It could cause like an electromagnetic storm that would hit the earth and fry all the electronics. Like one massive EMP throwing the world into further chaos. Now what we know for sure is after these plagues, the people in the world who have chosen Antichrist instead of Christ will know that this is a punishment, and yet they still will not turn from their evil ways. Here's a little advice for life that I've learned the hard way, and maybe y'all can help me out. If, if life kicks your butt, you might ought to find out why. Amen? You know, you might ought to find out what's going on, you know. Uh, not everything that we do wrong, uh, not everything that happens to us bad is because we've done something wrong. Sometimes life is just tough. But I'm going to ask the Lord, hey, hey, Lord, um, is, is this to get my attention so I don't go down the wrong path? All right, the fifth bowl is supernatural darkness. The fifth angel pours his bowl out on the throne of the beast, that is to say, the seat of government of the Antichrist, and the kingdom of the Antichrist is thrown into supernatural darkness. Same thing happened in the plagues of Egypt, that there was darkness in the land of Pharaoh, and the land of the Hebrews did not have darkness in it. The indication here is that not only will natural lights not penetrate to give them light, but, but like electric lights or fires won't give light either. There'll be no light at all. One of the most primal fears of humanity is darkness. And we don't even experience total darkness. What we call pitch black if you stand out there a while, you start to be able to see a little bit. Imagine true and utter and total darkness. Darkness. And you've got nothing else to think about but what might be there. Such a terrible, terrible time. It will be a torment to people. Now remember, all these folks are covered in horrible sores. And they've got nothing to do but think about how bad they feel. Most people go to the emergency room in the middle of the night because you lay down and try to sleep and it's dark and there's nothing else going on. And you can't ignore whatever is happening in your body at that time. It'll be like that here. Don't know how long it lasts, but eventually it will, it will have to go away because there are some things that are 
going to require light. The plague on Egypt lasted three days in the Old Testament. Maybe that's how long it'll last here. Okay, so far this is bad, right? Bad, scary, but I want you to know we can fully escape this because of Jesus. The sixth bowl is Armageddon being prepared. Armageddon. What is Armageddon? Wasn't that that Bruce Willis movie? Anybody else remember that movie, the Bruce Willis movie? And it also, it had that Aerosmith song in it. And um, yeah, hey, that was a good song. If you were trying to date somebody in the late 90s, early 2000s, that was a great song, okay? You know, you could sing that Aerosmith song and they would either fall in love with you or run away from you. Either way, you found out where you stood. So it was a good thing. (laughs) Also had um, Liv Tyler, who's Arwen from Lord of the Rings. Yes, I'm that kind of nerd. And it had, uh, what's the guy, the guy who plays Batman? Ben Affleck was in that, right? Pre-Batman Ben Affleck. I like the Batman one better. But anyway, anyway, Armageddon is the name of a movie. And it seems like the the word Armageddon gets attached to anything really bad. But let me kind of fill you in on what Armageddon really means from the Bible. All right. Um, The the sixth angel pours out his bowl on the Euphrates River. And the Euphrates River dries up. The Euphrates River is a very important river historically. It runs through, mostly through what is Iraq now. And uh, that was a major international border back in the day. And this thing being dried up is going to make it possible for this massive army out of the east to march into the promised land. Won't need any bridges because the river is going to be dried up. Just march right through it. What we see when we bring together this prophecy and the prophecies from Daniel 11 and Zechariah 12 is this composite image of three armies converging on the Holy Land to have the battle that people call Armageddon, all right? One of them is going to be an army from the north. What is the major power to the north of the Middle East today? Russia. Russia. Now, if there's still such a thing as Russia when this happens, there'll be some kind of Russian confederation army, and it seems when you kind of read the details that that the Antichrist will be running that thing. Then there will be this big army coming out of the south. What is the continent to the south of Israel? Africa. Africa. And Africa, you know, here in America, we we think of Africa as, you know, not having a lot of power, not having a lot of this. But I'm telling you, if the world lasts, Africa's going to really rise in prominence. You're going to see a much more powerful continent there. Be this huge African confederation coming up. And then, army out of the east, and you know what's to the east? That's China and India. And you know, in the world we live in right now, one out of every three people live in either China or India. So you could come up with a great big army from out of there. And you see these three armies converging on the promised land in this place called the Valley of Megiddo. Now, I did, there was one direction that got left out there. Did you notice that there's no army from the west? That concerns me a little bit. Because right now is the power center. The west is where the power is. Western Europe, uh, America, and kind of not. I don't know. I don't know what the story there is, but it doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of power in that direction. So what to do with that, I don't know. We just better pray. I hope you're praying for our nation. All right? However you feel about it, I hope you're praying. Praying the Lord will, you know, take care of us. We got to, hey, we got to live here. So (laughs) there is that. We do have to live here. So 
Um, the place where the three armies converge is called the Valley of Megiddo. That is a broad valley north of Jerusalem. There's a lot of farmland there. You ever been to the Shenandoah Valley? Road up I-81, Shenandoah Valley, pretty up there. Imagine the Shenandoah Valley, but about five times as wide, and you kind of have the idea of what the Valley of Megiddo is. The Hebrew name is Armageddon. That will be the place, Armageddon. Um, that is a word that gets thrown around a lot, attached to anything that's catastrophically bad. You go to the Black Friday sale at Thanksgiving and buy your Christmas presents, and you look in there, and it's chaos, and say, man, it was Armageddon up there at the Walmarts. It was, I thought the world was in, and that lady grabbed a hold of me and took that toaster right out of my hands. It was Armageddon. If that was the worst it was, we'd be in good shape. A few years ago, I was working out of town. I was down in Greensboro, and this freak snowstorm came on a Friday, um, and... Man, God bless folks from down there, but they don't know what to do in the snow. If you're from down that way, God bless you. All right, don't have no idea what to do in the snow. My friend Jason's here today from down in High Point, man. And uh, the snow came, and it was a snowmageddon, Jason. It was a snowmageddon, all right? There was like a few inches of snow, and people were slid off the road everywhere. There was tractors and trailers on fire, okay? There was people forming bands of cannibals. I don't know what else was going on, but it was a snowmageddon. It was bad. The cannibal part I totally made up, but the rest is true. <laughs> so, at least I didn't know. They didn't eat me. But I'm going to say, the, the real Armageddon is not an event so much as it's a place. It's a place where something's going to happen, that last battle. That is interesting, but far more interesting to me than these last remaining world armies marching into this place, and they're going to look a mess because they're covered in sores and they've barely had anything to eat or drink for a while. It's going to be a mess. Far more interesting to me is what happens. Maybe right as this battle gets started because somebody shows up. Mm. Somebody shows up to this thing. After seven years of the Antichrist, the real Christ is going to show up. I want to read you a passage that's so full of victory. It is Revelation 19, beginning at verse 11. If you have been saving any amens, this is the time to get them out because it's going to be good stuff. If you've already run out of amens, find yourself some more because you're going to need them. This is good stuff. This is so full of victory. Man, it might get me a little bit choked up because uh, this moment, if you are ever tired of this world being like it is, where people are so awful to one another. This is the moment where it changes. If this was a movie, this is the moment where at the very last second, the good guy shows up and saves the day. This is it. Revelation 19.11 reads, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war his eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns he had a name written that no one knew except himself he was clothed with a white robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of god and the armies of heaven clothed in white and fine linen white and clean followed him on white horses now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings 
and Lord of Lords. Anybody else got chills? Just me? Just me? Or is it because the air conditioner is working this week? Thank God for AC. Man, amen. The rider on the white horse is on his way. Do you know who he is? Mm. He's my king. Do you know my king? He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. That's my king. He's enduringly strong. He's purely powerful. He's impartially merciful. He's entirely graceful. Do you know my king? Mm. He's the king of kings. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of life and death. He's the king of my heart. I hope he's the king of yours. Do you know him? Do you know his name? His name is Jesus. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's the paradigm of prophecy. Do you know him? His name is Jesus. He's the king. He supplies strength for the weak. He gives hope to the hopeless. He finds those who are lost. He forgives the sinners and he discharges our debt. That's King Jesus. He's indescribable, incomprehensible, invincible, and irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off your hands. You can't lose him, and he can't lose you. And you can't live without him. And if you don't know him, you need to know him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they couldn't stop him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him down. His name is Jesus. That's my king. Last time he came as a suffering savior. Oh, but next time. He's coming as a conquering king. Last time the enemies of God struck him down. Next time he's the one swinging the sword. Last time he came as a suffering savior. Next time he's the conquering king. Last time he came for a cross. Oh, but when he comes back, he's coming for a crown. Last time he came with apostles, next time he's coming with an army. Did you see? Did you see what's there? Casey, will you pull up verse 14, please? Do you see what's there? Do you see this army that is following Jesus, clothed in white linen, pure and clean? Do you know who that is? That is the people that he called out in the rapture. Before all this bad stuff goes down. And now they're coming back, not to join the fight, but to watch the victory. To be witnesses of the victory of Jesus Christ, the Lord. When Jesus returns at the end of the tribulation, His people come with Him. And we watch as He destroys the Antichrist, defeats the devil, and wipes out the forces of evil. Mm. Mm. Amen. Mm. One more trumpet to go. One more trumpet to go. It's the seventh trumpet. Not the seventh trumpet. Seventh bowl. Seventh bowl. And the seventh bowl is, it is finished. I think that'll be a couple slides from here. It is finished. It's difficult to say exactly where the seventh bowl is comes, but I I think it's probably uh, at the same time as the Battle of Armageddon, and 
It happens at the same time as Christ's return. The seventh angel pours his bowl out in the air, and there is a shout that comes from the throne of God, and that shout is, it is finished. It is finished. Have we heard that phrase before? Isn't that what Jesus said on the cross just before he gave up the ghost and laid down his life for us? It is finished. It's done. It's done. And there's thunder and lightnings and hailstones that are 75 pounds each. And there's such a massive earthquake that every mountain is leveled and every island sinks into the sea. And it is finished. The end of the story is finished. Okay, that's dramatic. That's pretty dramatic, to say the least. Mm. I'm so glad that I will... Only be there for the part where we win. I don't want to be for the, for the rest of that. Um, if we trust in Jesus, we won't have to go through those trials. We just get to be witnesses of his victory. However, there are times in this life, here and now, that we will go through some struggle and suffering, and it feels like the world around us is crumbling We have the promise that we'll be spared from the tribulation period if we trust in Jesus, but we aren't necessarily promised that all the problems of life will pass us over and not touch us. But here's what the Lord does promise, and we see it in this. Tribulation births renewal. Tribulation births renewal. When Jesus talked about these days, the days of the end, he explained them like the birth of a child. I am a man and I stand before you as a person who has no clue what it's like to produce another human from my body. I cannot speak from experience. But it sure seems like it's an ordeal. Painful, struggle, travail. But then, when the baby's born, ah, everything changes. It's terrible, terrible pain and struggle and hardship. But then it birthed something so amazing. Another human life has entered the world. Such an amazing, awesome thing. These days that we've been talking about will be days of terrible travail, but they will birth something new. I want you to know whatever you're going through today, it's going to birth something new. Or it can if you'll trust God with it. Are you dealing with some kind of pain, struggle, loss, tribulation of your own? I want you to know we serve the God who brings forth the tender grass out of charred remains of our lives. Did you know there's some trees that only drop their seeds once they've been exposed to fire? It's true. It's only then that the cones open and the seeds drop down. So my prayer for you and for me is that when the flames pass over us, it won't be to burn us up. It'll be so something new can grow. So something better can grow. I pray God will make us ready for the better things He wants to grow next. So let's just take it to the Lord right now. Let's give our struggles to Him. Heavenly Father, You know what each person is dealing with. Everyone who is here in person. Everyone who will receive this message later. God Almighty. God Almighty. We don't always get to escape the flames of tribulation. 
But I pray that when they touch us, it will just make room for more good things to grow. God, thank you that you are the Savior who brings new growth out of the things that threaten to destroy us. Lord, I want to pray for someone today who is going through hardship in their lives, things they might not even feel they can talk about. I pray that you will bring such good out of that pain and that struggle and that tribulation that they will be amazed and everyone around them will give you the glory. Lord, we hardly know what to say, but thank you. Thank you that this world is someday going to be made new, and I pray that we will be a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. I'm so encouraged to have you as a part of this. Um, Lord willing, we'll, we'll do some more on the end times. Um, before I let you go, I want to encourage you, if you are willing at all to work with our kids' ministry in any capacity, grab one of those forms off of that desk. You can go to our website, recreatechurch.org, and go to the kids' ministry tab, and you can actually fill it all out online on your phone from the comfort of your chair here in this place. God bless you all. Thank you again to Casey. You just want to hit that. The, the after service credits God bless you all we've talked about it we know what to do now it's time to live it out in Jesus name